At this time, Brother Hank is going to come and read our sermon text for us. If you'd like to join him, that's going to be from Mark chapter 13, beginning in verse 32 this morning. No one knows about the day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. Thank you. Thank you very much, brother. This morning we will consider that text. As I said earlier, this is um, what we would in many ways consider to be an Advent text, or at least a text that's fitting for the Advent season, uh, one that is helping us to be ready for the second coming of Christ. So some of you celebrated Thanksgiving this week. I trust all of you did. Some of you actually hosted your family Thanksgiving. this How many of you were in charge of hosting a family Thanksgiving? Okay, so several. Uh, you don't have to answer this out loud, but kind of rhetorically, I want you to think about this. What are some things that you did this week, maybe last week, maybe some of you even before that, in preparation for having the family come in for Thanksgiving? Uh, what are some of the things that you wanted to do to make sure that you were ready for mom or mom-in-law or aunt or whoever it was that was coming to celebrate Thanksgiving with you. And as we think about some of those things, I just know, I know what I would do. And I know that it's less extensive than what many of you would do because I've seen you preparing for things around here. And I assume that's the same at your own home. So I would ask you this question. Obviously, you have to have the food, Right. And obviously you need to have a table where people can sit. But why would we go to such lengths as to do things like buying new candles to put out for the people to come over for Thanksgiving and cleaning the baseboards of the house and sweeping the porch, but not the porch that everybody walks up on, the back porch that nobody's going to see. Why would we go to such great lengths in order to be prepared for Thanksgiving. And some of you think, well, I wouldn't. And some of you think, well, I can't imagine not. And the reason is because those are the sort of things that we do whenever we have important people coming to our home, is it not? We take time to prepare extensively whenever people come, especially people that we feel in our mind in some way to us are very special people. And uh, we want it to be just right when they get here. And so as we think about Advent, as we think about being prepared and being ready for the second coming of Jesus, we're going to look here in Mark chapter 13, and we're going to get some information about how we can be ready for Jesus' second royal visit here to the earth with us. So just a little bit of context, because obviously this is our first sermon in Mark 13 in some time. At the beginning of the chapter, 
the disciples ask Jesus a question. And really for the rest of the chapter, he's answering that question in different ways and telling them different things. And here's the question that they asked. They said, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? Right? They want to know when, when, when are all of the things that you've been talking about going to take place? And how will we know? What's a sign, what's a reminder that will tell us to be ready? And so part of his reply is recorded here in this text. And so look with me in verse 32. Let's read that verse together and then we'll pray and ask the Lord's Blessing upon this time of study of his word, and then we'll consider it more deeply. Mark thirteen thirty two, that Brother Hank already read, says, But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As we consider this, let's, let's pray together. Father God, what a blessing it is. Again, to be able to gather with your people. Father, to be here on the first day of the week. To set our hearts and minds on you and on who you are. Father, as we sing about, Lord, that, that first royal visit. As we think about, Lord, you coming as a gift to us to come and save us and redeem us. Lord, now as we also consider and think about your second coming, as we sang about that together, and as we now turn our hearts and minds towards it, I pray that you would help us to understand the things that we need to understand and to be able to put out of our mind the things that we don't need to worry about considering. Father, that our, our minds would not get distracted, Lord, by questions that are not answered here or by things that are not pertinent to what you would have us to understand from this text now. Father, that we would not be distracted by things in this room, that we would not be distracted by electronic devices, that we would not be distracted by schedules and meals and all of those things that have their time. But Father, we recognize this is not that time. So help our hearts and minds to be focused on your word and to understand it more. And Father, as we know more, as we learn more, as we learn what is right, help us to do what is right. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here we see uh, a verse that many of you have heard that, that brings up this kind of elephant in the room type question that I want to go ahead and address first so that we can kind of put it to rest, set it to the side and really get to the matter at hand. And the question that often comes up when we look at verse 32 is how in the world does Jesus, who is God, how is it that he can say that he does not, or at this point on earth, did not know the day or hour of the second coming? If Jesus is God, and he is omniscient, and he is all-knowing, then how is it that he could sit here and say to his disciples... Concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And so, some of you hate it when I do this. I'm going to do it anyways. 
I'm going to tell you that I'm not going to answer that question this morning. Why? Why am I not going to answer that question? Because here's, here's what we see in this text. Jesus doesn't answer that question. Right? He doesn't answer that question in this text. That's not the point of this text. What that is, is a rabbit. Now, it's a beautiful rabbit, and it's an interesting-looking rabbit, and we would love to chase that rabbit. But we're not here this morning to chase rabbits, brothers and sisters. We're here to understand what Jesus was teaching in this text when he sat with his disciples and said these things. I have thoughts on this. I do. I will not tell you that I'm confident that I know the answer for sure, but I have thoughts, and if you're interested, I would love for you to come and see me later. And we'll sit and we'll talk about it. But that's not what we're here for this morning. That's not what Jesus is teaching, so it's not what I'm going to teach from this text either. What Jesus was addressing in this text is the completely unknown timing of his return. That is clear as day, right? Concerning that day, and this is a, that day and that hour are references to his second coming. Concerning that, nobody knows, which means none of us know. And that's really, I believe, what Jesus is trying to emphasize here. The disciples are asking for a date, or they're asking for a time, or they're asking for a sign. They're asking for these things. And so this is Jesus' reply. You want a date? You want a time? You want uh, some sign that will tell you to be ready? Here's what I want you to know. You do not know, and you will not know. Until it comes. When I return, you will know the date. But until then, you're not going to know. So point one this morning is simply this. Jesus' return date is unknown. And I give that to you as a statement, as a fact. Uh, this is a very declarative statement that Jesus makes here. Concerning that day or that hour... No one knows. He, he wants them to hear this and understand this. And he doesn't spend a lot of time talking about it. So I'm not going to either. This is simply a fact of Scripture that we see in multiple places at multiple times. This fact that we do not and will not know when Jesus is going to return. In fact, there, there are places that we see in Scripture that tell us that not only is it unknown, but it will be unexpected. Not only do you not know when it's going to happen, it's going to happen at a time that you wouldn't expect it to happen. So with that in mind, with this understanding that, that Jesus will return for certain, but we do not know for certain when he will return, Jesus then turns his attention to what we should do with that fact, right? There, there are times that, that you know a fact and you know exactly what to do with that fact, right? If you're going to cook pasta, the water's boiling, that's a fact. What do I do? Now I add the pasta, right? This thing is hot, so I know I do not touch it, right? Well, here's the fact. The fact is, Jesus is coming back and you don't know when. So what is the action that flows from that? We have the right knowledge. Let's make sure that it leads to right action. He addresses that in the very next verse, verse 33. There's this, this kind of implied or to take note of the four in this verse. Be on guard. Keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. 
Since you do not know what you should do is stay on guard or stay awake or remain vigilant all of the time. This is what Jesus is saying here. Since you don't know when, always be ready. So I, I tried to put this in a way that, that was, at least in my mind, helped me understand the impact of it, helped me remember it. So I have this on a slide for you this morning. But here the disciples, the disciples are a lot like many of us. I don't want to say you, I say us, because I've, I've, I've been in this boat many times as well. Right? It's, it's very interesting to try and think about the date of Jesus' return. And to try and look... At all of the all of the signs of apocalyptic literature that we see throughout Scripture and Revelation, and people are very interested to look at those things and try to interpret from the things that are going on in the world around us uh, how close we may be and when we should be getting ready. And I know people are very interested in those because I see how many times they are shared on social media whenever they come up, whenever there's a blood moon or whenever there's a, a river that goes dry or whenever there's a new war in the Holy Land. that People become very, very interested in these things. And so they want to know about the date, they want to, and so here's some things that, that I, I think we kind of see in this text. The disciples were curious about dates, but Jesus was more interested in their demeanor. Many of us are worried about appointments, but he is concerned with actions. We want to know about the timing, but he was focused more on their thinking. Brothers and sisters, I think what we see here when they say, tell us the date, tell us the time, tell us the signs. And he says, you don't know and you won't know. So just always be ready. What we see is that Jesus is saying, don't wait and don't worry, but just get to work. I believe that that's what Jesus is telling his disciples and us in this text. Don't spend your time sitting around trying to figure out the date because you will not figure out the date. Don't sit around and worry about if the end is close because the end is when the end is and you don't know when the end is. But what you do know is this, what you should be doing in the meantime. Don't worry about the timing, just do the work. And so I believe that Jesus here is trying to turn their attention from these things that they're considering to the things that they should be considering. And so he gives us a parable to help us visualize this, right? We love narratives, we love stories, and so Jesus very kindly and graciously gives us this parable to help us grasp what this should look like in our lives. So in verse 34, he says, It's like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Right, the parable doesn't need a whole lot of explanation. There's a man and he's going on a trip. And this man obviously owns a pretty good size estate and he has servants that work there. And he has this, this porter 
or this doorkeeper whose job is similar to the watchman on the wall, right? His job is to stand at the door and to watch and to keep the household safe. And so, so although he tells all of them the things that they're supposed to do, it's particularly highlighted in this parable, the job of the doorkeeper. Listen, I need you to stand at the door and keep the house safe. I need you to keep watch. And then the homeowner leaves. Well, they didn't have cell phones and they couldn't send text messages and they didn't know, they didn't do emails at this date and time. So, so the guy leaves and they have no idea when he's coming back. And so this doorkeeper has to always be on guard. One, because he doesn't want the house to get robbed, right? I mean, that, that is his actual job. So one, he doesn't want the house to be robbed, so he always needs to be careful and needs to be doing that sort of watching type work. But also, he doesn't know when the homeowner's coming back. And he doesn't want to be found sleeping on the job whenever the boss comes back. And many of you can kind of identify with this thought process. But the ter- the, this parable about a doorkeeper who needs to be ready because he doesn't know when his master's coming back, is then applied to all of us in verse 37. Right? The idea is this. Jesus is like the homeowner. He has left earth and he's gone back to heaven. And he told us, I'm coming back. He doesn't tell us when, but he tells us he's coming back. So, like the doorkeeper whose master is going to return... He doesn't know when, so he should always be doing what he's supposed to be doing. We, as God's children, know our master is coming back, and we don't know when, so we should always be doing what we should be doing, right? This is is what Jesus is teaching here with this parable. So point two this morning, therefore, we must always be ready. I'm putting these two together, right? Jesus' return date is unknown Therefore, we must always be ready. Now, this is, in my estimation, the sum of the teaching that Jesus has here. Two points. I'm not even giving a third point this morning. I know it seems very unbaptist, but this is what the teaching says. I'm coming back, and you don't know when I'm coming back, so you always have to be ready. I also, in my estimation, think that there are probably some of you that feel that this teaching is somewhat elementary. Brother Zach, there's not, I mean, we kind of could have surmised a lot of that on our own, this idea that Jesus is coming back, so we should always be ready. That wasn't that much of a sermon. And I think that this is one of those texts that lends itself to this, very easy to understand, but very difficult to put into practice. Right, kind of like Matthew 5, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Easy to understand what that says. Easy to understand what Jesus is teaching there, but very hard to apply. And I think that this is, this is what I have prayed for the last several days, what happened for many of us this morning. This truth that we already know in the back of our mind but don't necessarily exude with the actions and thoughts that we have every day, would come to the forefront of our mind, and it would change the way that we live every day. 
That's what I've been praying for me and for you these last several days. Because when I, if I ask you, I believe if I asked any of you when you walked in this morning, hey, do you believe Jesus is coming back? You'd say yes. If I said, do you know when he's coming back? I think you'd have said no. So, so do you think it's important that we should always be doing what he's called us to? I think you would have said yes. I know I would have, but I think if you go and look at my life, that my actions don't necessarily align with my understanding there. Do my actions show a sense of urgency that today could be the last day that I live on this earth? I don't think they do. I don't think they do. Do, do your actions show that? I don't think for most of us they do. So I've got, I've got an illustration, kind of a related example that I, I lived out this week that really in my mind helped me grasp what this can look like versus what our lives do look like. So I, I went hunting this week. I took Chase. Chase is seven. If you don't know Chase, our seven-year-old son. This was Chase's first time to ever go hunting. And uh, so took Chase hunting and his, his, one of his best friends, first cousin, who's eight years old, went with us. So I'm, I'm in a ground blind. I'm sitting there with a seven-year-old and an eight-year-old. And uh, it's, it's a pretty short, just a, a straight shot. There's a feeder down. It's about 50 yards. You know, there's not, it's just one lane. There's not a whole lot to look at. We're looking straight through uh, the front of this blind, and that's what you can see. And so for the first 10 or 15 minutes, it's on there locked in, right? I mean, you see that as a grasshopper, right? Anything, any movement, they're ready. As we get 20 minutes in... As we get 30 minutes in, as we get 45 minutes in, there's not a whole lot of this. There's a lot of this, and there's a lot of this, and there's a lot of playing, and there's a lot of talking, right? But, but here's, what, here's what they understood, because we talked about it before we got there. Here's what they at least knew in their mind. The closer we get to about 5 o'clock, the more likely it is that a deer is going to come out here, right? So we get in about... I don't know, four o'clock, a little bit before. And they've, by the time that the deer are actually most likely to come out, their attention is gone. Their mind is completely somewhere else. They're not watching, even though it's more likely now than ever that a deer would walk out, they're no longer watching. And I'm sitting there, and I know what I'm preaching this morning, and I'm thinking, this is my sermon. Guys, guys, and so I would remind them, listen, remember, it's five minutes till, it's about to be dark. We need to pay attention, it's likely that a deer might walk out at any moment. And so then they're locked in for about 30 seconds. And then their minds are distracted on other things. And, and, and because they're so distracted, you know what happened? Nothing, no deer ever came out. But if it had, I don't think they'd have been ready. Probably no deer came out because of how unready they were and how much they talked and how much they moved around. But we had fun. Brothers and sisters, what I'm trying to show you, which is very funny about a seven and eight year old hunting, that's not as funny about our life as this. We all know this fact, but we don't live like it's a fact. Right? We, we come at Advent and we're told Jesus could return at any moment. So the things that you need to do the things that are important and valuable and eternal, you better do them today because I don't know that we have tomorrow. And we leave here focused, laser focused for about 30 seconds. But then because Jesus 
continues, in a patient and gracious, loving and kind act, delays his return. That more people might come to know him. But because of that delay, we lose the sense of urgency. Right? The, the longer they sat in the blind, the less they thought they were going to see a deer. And the longer we live on earth, the, it's like the less we feel like Jesus is really imminently going to return. Now, is the return imminent in the sense that it will be today or tomorrow? I don't know. I don't know that. The only days that I will rule out are yesterday and every day before it. Today's a prime candidate, as is tomorrow, as is a day a thousand years from now. I do not know when he will come. And if anybody tells you that they do, then you probably need to stay away from them, at least their teaching. But brothers and sisters... I want this text this morning to be like me sitting in the blinds like, hey, hey, pay attention because a deer might walk out. I pray that this text kind of shakes you just a little bit and says, hey, hey, pay attention. Christ is coming back. Prioritize. Do the valuable things now. And in my weekly schedule... If you come in on a Monday morning, almost every week, you'll find me in my office studying, preparing for Sunday morning sermon. And I've been asked the question for, why do you start preparing so early? One, because there's a lot of work to be done. But two, because I know a lot of things are going to come up during that week. And I think that being prepared to teach you God's Word is one of the priorities that I have and the calling as pastor of this church. And so I make that priority, not only priority in my mind, but priority on my schedule. And so, brothers and sisters, I believe that Jesus here, when he says, since you don't know when I'm coming, and you should always be on guard, and you should always be awake, that what he's saying is the things that need to be prioritized should be prioritized, both in your heart and mind and on your schedule. So the last thing that I'll do briefly... And I left it brief because I'm a little bit leery of doing this at all. But this text does lend itself to this question. What does it look like to be ready? Right? When Jesus says, be on guard, keep awake, stay awake, be vigilant, what is he telling us to do? Now, it, he doesn't answer that in the text, so I'm leery of answering it. But there are just a couple of things I feel very certain that I can tell you that are part of being ready for Jesus' second coming. And they really stem from the idea of Advent. The fact that there are two comings of Jesus. He's already come once. And the first coming was in order to get us ready for the second coming. Right? We can understand, I think we can all agree on that. That he left heaven and came to earth took on flesh and lived a perfect life as a human and then went to the cross and died as an atoning sacrifice to pay the penalty for our sins and then He came back to life so that we could have faith in Him so that we could be forgiven of our sins and reconciled to God. Paul says it this way in 1 Timothy 1.15. He says, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Right, this was like, the first coming was to save sinners so that they would be ready for the second coming. 
So with that firmly in mind, I would say here's the first thing that we have to do to be ready. That to be prepared, we must accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. This is the most primary and basic thing that we must do in order to be ready. If Jesus Christ is not your Lord and Savior, if you have not professed faith in Him, your allegiance to Him, if you're not following Him, then you're not ready for Him to come back. To be ready, to be prepared, we must accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. But the second thing, which is very closely related, is that to help others prepare... We should tell them about Him. Right? We need to know Jesus. But we also want other people to know Jesus as well. Because the Scriptures are very clear that Jesus is coming back. And we sing about it and we think about it. Because when He comes back, we're going to be with Him in His physical presence forever. Right? And and we're not going to have to worry about sin. And we're not going to have to worry about evil. and, And we're... We're going to be with Him for eternity in heaven, and it's going to be glorious, and we celebrate these things, rightfully so. But the Scriptures are also very clear that when He comes back, that everybody that does not have faith in Him is going to be judged as unfaithful, and they're going to be separated from Him in a terrible place called hell forever and ever and ever. The, the return day of Jesus is a day that we will celebrate for all of eternity, but for the majority of people, and I want you to hear that, for the majority of people that are alive now, and for the majority of people that have ever lived on this earth, that day and that moment will be dreaded by them for all of eternity. We cannot simply be okay with our friends or our loved ones or our schoolmates or our co-workers or our neighbors or anybody going to hell forever and ever. It's not to say that they won't. The Bible is clear that the majority of people will. But we can't be okay. We can't say, well, they're going to hell and that's fine with me. We have to be concerned for the people around us, for the lost of this world. It's a calling of Scripture that we would go and to make disciples, that we would love our enemies enough to share the gospel with them, at least brothers and sisters. So I think in order for us to be be ready, be on guard, what does that look like? One, it looks like you being a Christian. And two, I think it has to include us sharing the gospel with lost people around us. I think we have to be about doing these two things. If you believe hell is real, and if you believe that Jesus is really coming back, and if you don't know when it's going to happen, this should be a primary task that you prioritize in your life. These things should be prioritized. There are other things, right? We could run a long list of things that we as Christians living in the last days, right, between Jesus' ascension and His return, you could run a long list of things that we should be doing. I wrote down a few. Praising God, uh, our life should be marked by growth and spiritual maturity, 
living in the likeness of Christ, a love for His Word, singing and prayer and thanksgiving and service and missions and evangelism. All of these things are things that should be indicative of the life of Christians living in the time that we live in. But brothers and sisters, if we are not sharing the gospel, then I don't think that we're showing a, a real a real feeling, a real sense of the potential imminence of Jesus' return. So this morning, I ask you, are you looking out, knowing that at any moment it could happen, or are you distracted by all the things around you? Is your mind elsewhere? Do you forget that Jesus could come back today? Because the scriptures are clear that he could. He could. So I ask you this, what do you need to do to be ready? I want to invite you to stand, and this question is going to kind of stem our response time. What do you need to do to be ready? And I can't answer that question for every one of you. Now, if you want to come and sit down, we can sit down and discuss it, and I can help you formulate what you may need to do to be ready. But I'll say this, if you've never accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, that's where it needs to start. That's the first thing you need to do is to accept Him as your Lord and Savior, and to know that you're forgiven of your sins, and to know that you're reconciled to God. I'll say this, if you're a Christian and you're here this morning and you know that you're a Christian, but, but you're so distracted by the things of the world and the things around you that you're never doing the work that Christ has called us to do. You're never sharing the gospel. You're never telling anybody about Him. You're never focused on worship or His Word or growing to be more like Him that we should be doing those things. I like to say it this way. If there's something that you think you need to do before Christ returns, you better do it now. And if there's something that you don't want to be doing when He returns, you better just never do it. Because brothers and sisters, it could be at any moment. And I'll finish with this. If you're here and you think, I am a believer, and I am pretty vigilant, I know that He could return, so I'm always doing His work. Praise Him, because that's not a natural mindset. That's a mindset that the Lord has given you through the Holy Spirit. Praise Him and thank Him for that. But whatever you have on your heart and mind from this text this morning, I pray that you would respond as Brother Shane leads us in a hymn of response. There's light for a look at the Savior And life more abundant and free Turn your eyes upon Jesus Look full in His wonderful face And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace through death into life everlasting He passed and we follow Him there 
Over us and no more had dominion For more than conquerors we are Turn your eyes upon Jesus Look full in His wonderful face And the things In the light of His glory and grace. You may be seen. Thank you, Brother Zach. What a wonderful reminder of the urgency we should live with. <clears throat> All right, got a few announcements this morning. Hunters, if you have extra meat you'd like to donate to the food pantry, you can take the deer to be processed at night's deer processing and let them know it is for the Mount Zion Food Pantry. Also, the children's musical will be Sunday, December 17th at 6 p.m. Following that will be the Churchwide Christmas Fellowship. Is that correct? Plan to bring a uh, bring finger foods and drinks. The senior adult Christmas party will be Thursday, December seventh at eleven a.m. Drinks and food will be provided. There is a uh, sign-up sheet in the back. Please sign up by December third. We have the opportunity to partner with other churches in the county to give a Christmas gift to each resident at local nursing homes. Each gift bag will contain five items, lotion, socks, a throw blanket, an activity book, and chapstick. Please check the bulletin board for gift items to purchase. We will deliver them to the residents on December 10th at 2 p.m. The Youth Progressive Supper uh, and Christmas Party will be December 10th. We will meet at the church about 5 and be prepared with a $15 gift if you would like to play Dirty Santa. Uh, Advent calendars, Brother Zach, where are they? Some are in, I heard, I was told. Um, the Advent devotionals are this table at the back. And the list, if you don't remember which one you signed up, one, one of them were still waiting to come in. Uh, but the list is back there if you need to see which one. If you would, mark off your name or put a check by it whenever you pick yours up so we'll know how many we have left to pick those up. All right. That's all I have. Thank you. This morning I come to you on behalf of the uh, search committee uh, as we have been uh, looking for uh, an associate pastor to also serve as, uh, as a youth minister. We are um, happy to... Uh, announced that we have a candidate that will be coming in two weeks in view of a call. Um, I, we, uh, after much pr prayer and consideration, discussion, we thank you as a church for your prayers in this process and your patience. And uh, we look forward to two weeks from now when we can present a candidate to you. 
right. Thank you very much, Brother Seth, Dr. Bob. Are there any other announcements, anything that needs to be said? No. Thank you all so 